Get in the zone. This is the Yellow Ball Podcast. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wherever you're listening to this podcast, right around the world, a very warm welcome to the Yellow Ball Podcast. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia and sponsored by Play Straight Cricket. All the best players play straight. This week, I was in downtown Warner. Someone came up to me and said, hey, what's the name of the podcast? And I said, the Yellow Ball Podcast, get involved. Uh, for those of you who might not be aware, Warner is on the outskirts of uh, Brisbane North, uh, kind of near, kind of near Strathpine, but um, we're out there recording the podcast from a, a luxurious studio out that direction uh, this evening or today. Shouldn't have said this evening. Oh. Lesson 101 when doing podcasts, you don't say this evening or this morning because people are listening to it at any time. Podcast producer Juzzy, um, fair comment. Scratch it. Yeah, scratch yeah, it. Scratch yeah. it. But I know you and you tend to keep all my bloopers in the podcast. I cut all mine out yeah. and keep all yours in. <laughs> You're an animal, mate. You're an absolute animal. Um, mate, just want to talk about uh, episode one. We got some uh, pretty good feedback and some really good numbers. Yeah, it was great. I think people have just been itching for some uh, indoor cricket, you know, action after yep. all of the um, the isolation, you know, centres have been shut down. Yeah. People are frothing at the bit for it. Mate, they absolutely were and um, well done to you, uh, the chief button pusher, um, for, for doing everything you do on the pots and pans. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, a very big show. Very, very big show. Is it the biggest show we've done in history? Look, every single show we do is always the next biggest show in history because we just keep um, up in the ante here at the Yellow Ball Podcast. Um, as we said um, last week, the sales department have just been absolutely going off. It's been crazy back there. The interns, we've put on another six. We're an employer of choice here at the Yellow Ball Podcast. And it's just, it, it's never ending around here. It's just absolute craziness. Shout out to major sponsor PSC, Play Straight Cricket. Quality and innovative products for you, your team and your club. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube. Check them out at playstraightcricket.com.au. The best cricketers play straight. On this episode of the Yellow Ball Podcast, um, we've got Robert Fitzgerald. And uh, Rob Fitzgerald, or Fitzy as he's known to a lot of people, look, he's been on a lot of different, um, you know, interviewing type platforms and he's had chats since the dawn of time. Uh, This one's a little bit different, uh, I think, and I think you're going to get a fair bit out of it, ladies and gentlemen, particularly in the way that you actually – finish or complete a skill in indoor cricket. There's one in particular um, that's a real eye-opener and I hope that you um, certainly listen to it. Um, About Robert Fitzgerald, well, he's played in six World Cups, six World Cups, uh, and he's been a Queensland rep player for 21 years. Um, So it's definitely worthwhile listening and uh, sticking around. Well, of course you'd hang around because if you just listened to this intro and didn't listen to the main part of the podcast, it doesn't make any sense to me. Remax Elevator Tarragindi is based in the inner southern suburbs of Brisbane. Their team are here to assist with all of your property needs with a global reach and a local community focus. Their team is here to make your real estate transaction a six-star experience. Call Darren and his team today on 0416-169-002 to make your property dreams come true. Folks, I also just wanted to do a bit of a shout out. Yes, of course, the Yellow Ball podcast is um, your number one place for all indoor cricket content. There's no doubt about it. Um, Juzzy, we were the very first indoor cricketing podcast on planet Earth, were we not? Proud to be number one. Proud to be number one. Proud to be number one, not only in time, but um, also in listenership. And of course, um, like, subscribe, five stars. But also, the reason this podcast exists is to bring light to indoor cricket. That is the whole 
ball game. Um, if the podcast isn't achieving that, then we just wouldn't operate anymore. Um, and there's also a lot of other people out there that are doing some really, really good things about um, indoor cricket, uh, and I want to bring them to your attention. One of them is Cricket Journeys with Sharan, old Shaz. Um, you know, coming up, he's got some big names. He's already had some big names uh, on there already. Anybody that wants to advocate for indoor cricket, um, whether it's another podcast, whether it's another – interview style based um, platform. I'm all on board because you know what I listen to as well. I'm a consumer of indoor cricket. Um, so get along to that one. There's also another podcast called the Inside Indoor Podcast. I'm not sure if they've been too active uh, of late. Um, they're some of our Kiwi brethren from across the ditch. Um, maybe just throw them in the old socials and see how they're traveling as well. Um, there was some really good content that was coming out of there as well. And I'm led to believe there's another one that's happening. I don't know if indoor cricket's big enough for, for so many of them. But um, what I do want to say is get behind them and support them. Anybody that wants to highlight the abilities of the players um, and the coaches and the managers and the spectators of this sport, well, it just gets my big um, tick of approval. Uh, And all that being said, please do head along to the podcast Facebook page, which we've started off. And a big thank you to Cricket Australia um, for their endorsement of that. Last year, we didn't have a specific uh, Facebook page, but this year we do. And there's going to be some real specific uh, podcast content that's coming your way. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash yellow ball podcast. The yellow ball podcast proudly supported by cricket Australia. Well, folks, the table has been set and it is time for the main course. As mentioned at the top of the show, one of the biggest guests we have ever had here on the Yellow Ball podcast, already talked about some of his credentials, six World Cups, been a Queensland representative for over 21 years. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Robert Fitzgerald. Fitzy, welcome to the Yellow Ball podcast. Thanks, Lloyd. How are you? Mate, really, really well. Thanks for asking. And as you know, um, I teed you up, what, a good part of 18 months ago to be a part of the show. Would that sound about right? Yeah, I think I was, um, yeah, about um, 18 months ago, I think. Yeah, and you've always been very accommodating and um, I've been at you um, pretty regularly about it. So honestly, you'd have to be pretty close to be one of the biggest guests we've had. Um, We've had Hall of Famers and... I'm going to suggest that maybe one day you could be a future Hall of Famer. How does that sit with you hearing those kind of uh, those kind of predictions? Yeah, a little bit surreal, mate. But um, you know, still a few years away yet. So hopefully, I can uh, keep rolling the arm over. Another two or three years left at the moment. Well, you've escalated our chat, but let's just go there right now. Two or three years left at the moment. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm not done yet. I just enjoy the game too much, so um, I've got one World Cup and then we'll um, see what happens after this one. See what happens. Now, I've listened to a lot of sports interviews and whenever someone says, let's see what happens, they don't come back after that one, brother. Yeah, well, wait and see. <laughs> don't you ever play poker, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Fitzy. <laughs> I feel like I've just outed no, your just, retirement. Have I just outed your retirement yeah, here on the Yellow Ball podcast? Do we need to edit no, this or what? Not, not at all, mate. Not at all. I've got a couple of years left, mate. I'm uh, 37 now, so, um, you know, Finesh and um, Lyle can, can still play very good cricket at their age. So, um, you know, I know Lyle's only a couple of years older than me and Finesh is a few more years older than Lyle, but, um, you know, they both can still play some really good cricket. So if they keep playing good cricket, 
Well, and that's the thing, mate. Um, you're as strong as an ox and you've got the metabolism of a greyhound, which also is uh, working in your favour as well. And I've heard a lot of your interviews over the years and obviously talking to you um, as, I'm going to say, a close personal friend. You might not want to associate me in that manner, but I'm going to associate with you in that. And, um, yeah, you do a lot of uh, gym work as well, uh, don't you, in your preparation for, for games and seasons? Yeah, so, um, so I, I do some um – Good fitness classes, which I think is more of a benefit to me. You know, it's just all your, you know, your F45 sort of, you know, style um, gym work and, you know, strength and conditioning, grit strength, you know, with, with all the barbells and, and dumbbells and all that sort of stuff, mate. So I, I find that more motivating for me because at least I know I've got someone there to push me and other people push me. If I just go into the gym by myself, I, you know, get lazy. So, um, so I need someone there to, to keep pushing. So, you know, I just, Try and find that way, mate. Yeah, I, I just do that. Now, Fitzy, question without notice. Um, do you remember the first – I mean, I've been watching you play indoor cricket since I was a little kid, but do you remember the first time that you and I came into connection together as a part of the indoor cricketing community? When was that? Do you remember? Uh, when was that? About 2007, I'll 2008 maybe? I'll accept it, 2008. What were we doing? Umpiring together. We were umpiring together. And that's something that I love about you and I want to talk about. I mean, everyone always talks about that you got a big heart. Um, You know, you you do a lot of benevolent activities within the community. Um, Your involvement in the Try 21 series, sorry, which raises awareness for those in the community with Down syndrome is is really heavily documented. But people don't also know that you've been a part of the umpires union uh, and you've umpired at national level, I believe, on a couple of occasions, have you not? Yeah, I, I did it um, twice, I think it was, yeah, two, 2007, 8 or two, 2008, 9. So it was two consecutive years there, I think. One down in Sydney, one up at um, Compulture there. So, yeah, so I did it for a couple of years. And I also umpired a few games to help out um, our good old mate Shep to Masters at uh, Toomble, I think, a couple of years after that. So, yeah, have done a little bit of uh, national umpiring before. You have. And um, do you think there's any benefit to umpiring? Mate, I, I think, you know, if, if you've played the game, you understand the game so much more when you get up there mm. into the actual umpiring stand because you know how you know, the, the players think, you know how the ball comes off the net, you know, um, you know, like you can try and preempt the next sort of step that the, you know, players will take. So you're kind of ready, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know exactly what you mean. And that's the one thing with umpires is you don't want to be trying to chase the ball and make decisions after it's already been. So um, I understand completely what you mean. You want to be in that good position, ready for that ball to cross that line or ready for that bat to cross that line or watching where, particularly um, at an open level, the receivers have just got silky smooth hands. You know, you can't be committed just to listening to the noise of the balls hitting the stumps because they'll just take them and just whip them off like satin sheets. So you always need to be ready in that position before that happens to be able to make decisions as they come. So um, absolutely understand that. And can I say um, that was the very first time that I ever umpired was at that tournament at, at, at a national level at least and I've never said this to you but to be able to get to know you during that time I already knew who you were um obviously you'd have no idea who I was and I've always really treasured that mate and I think that that um that I can't say it because I can't swear on the podcast but there's been a couple of times <laughs> where you've looked up to me and you've I think I know where you're going <laughs> <laughs> and you said Lowie 
do a good job. And I said, thanks, Fitz. Um, I appreciate it, mate. So uh, I think that's why you're so well-liked in the indoor cricketing community is because you are so well-rounded and you're really humbled. Uh, and something that I love is you are very approachable, and that's something that you pride yourself on, particularly with juniors. Yeah, so um, when I was coming up through the under-18 ranks um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it, I found it very hard to approach the likes of Aaron Mills, you know, Alan Wilson, all those guys that were at the pinnacle of our game in the men's um, comp. So um, to me, I want to try and break that barrier. So I put myself in front of the kids. I, you know, try and let them know that they can come to me and ask me questions whenever I'm available. Yeah. I always want to try and give them my time, providing, you know, I can get the time. If not, I let them know that now's not the right time. Come back and see me later. I'll try and find them. And that's um, – and, and I agree with you as well. You know, my favourite no, – I've got a couple of favourite players. Um, Aaron Mills is definitely one of them. And I totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm just a – a mere mortal, but you're this kind of demi indoor cricketing god, and even you still didn't have the courage to be able to go out there and and relate to them. It's not that they're bad people; it's not that they're wonderful people; they're outstanding mm. people. But it's just they didn't um, have that kind wow. of recognition in the indoor cricketing community that that's something that's available. And you do that beautifully. That I think because um, you've been coaching in the juniors for quite some time as well. Yeah, so so I, I try and do a bit of coaching back at Whitham. Know, with a lot of juniors and, and whatnot, so um, but I've been involved in the junior system here in Queensland now for a good part of about eight years. I think I started off with um, when Bruce Harold was running the junior program when it used to be run out of Kedron, and then they went yeah. Kedron over Strathpine. So, um, so there I, I was doing a little bit of coaching with, with Bruce, and when, I, and when we moved over to Strathpine, I then was the uh, one of the um, selectors for the Queensland state side. So. Um, but I found doing that, I had very limited input into the development of the actual kids because you'd seen them as a selector. So if you were to go and talk to someone about their game, you might be seen from the outside of the parents mm. trying to help that, you know, kid make a Queensland. So which you are, um, you know, but, um, you know, um, yeah, so... So then I then transitioned in, you know, from a, a selection point of view to then stepping back from that to then coaching. So I, I value that so much more because I can be more hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah so. and something that – and you touched on it as well. You were talking about some of the players that you've played with or against and you mentioned some absolutely stellar names there. And you're talking about folks like Dion Muir, um, uh, Jay Otto, those kind of players of that ilk. You're one of the players that's been with the old school and you're also in with the new school. So tell me, if you've got an Australian side from 2004, would they beat the Australian side from 2020? Uh, I reckon um, the side from 2004 would probably, yeah. I would nearly confidently say that they would beat the side today. Why? It was a pretty red hot side back then. Um, just the mentality um, of the players back then, um, you know, all really, you know, old school players, just grit, uh, determination. Um, and you can see that by the result that we had in the 2004 World Cup, like batting first, April overs, hitting 70. Mm. Sri Lanka were 40 after four overs, didn't get a wicket until the fifth over. 
and keep them to 58, I think it was, or 56. So just the determination and the grit and, you know, just never say die attitude. And we still have that today. But I just think that it was more prevalent back then than it is today. And so looking at young Australian players coming through, Josh Drever comes to mind uh, instantly. Um, I think he was uh, Queensland Indoor Cricketer of the Year last year, um, de- debuted for Australia just recently last year uh, in a Trans-Tasman. Um, I believe it was a Trans-Tasman. Do you feel an onus of responsibility to not take them under your wing but certainly teach them the ways that have gone past and to, to kind of pass on the baton or the flame of – uh, what it means to play indoor cricket for Australia? Yeah, yeah um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the uh, uh, team members in the Australian team, which is part of the leadership group. Um, so it is my responsibility to try and, you know, take guys like Driver under the wing. Um, even, you know, Jamie Dina, who came in the side last year for the first time, and whoever steps foot on, onto the court um, is part of my responsibility just to make sure that we show them exactly what it means to, you know, play for Australia. Um, you know, we, we never give up. We always fight to the end, no matter if we're losing by 15, 20 runs or if we're winning by 50 or 60 runs. You, know, you still play the game the same way you do if you're winning or losing. And Australia has a habit of getting out of, really sticky situations in World Cup. You already talked about Sri Lanka, um, which I know that uh, Nick DeGrees um, has talked to me at length about. That that's one of the best um, tournaments he's been a part of. Um, there was a 2009 World Cup where New Zealand really had us on the ropes. There is just a way that somehow Australia can pull themselves out of some really tricky situations. Yeah, yeah I know. It's... Um... Yeah pretty good to watch and it's really good to be part of um you know we we just have that habit and to, to be quite frank with you I, I really don't know exactly what it is um it, it's probably you know got a lot to do with just the guts and determination that we have we just don't want to let our teammates down our coaches down our family down so you know we just go in there and and, and because of our training locally too and our training ethic you know we always train to play mm. um you know, so if we're doing stuff at training, well, that'll carry on over to playing the game. So we always make sure that we don't walk off that before being underdone. So if you want another bucket of balls to train, so don't walk off and go, what if? Um, go and do it. You know, it's just always do that thing and be satisfied with the fact that you finish your training session where you want to finish and something about training, um, there was a recent uh, Cricket Australia indoor page um, post that went out um, for your birthday um, of you doing some pretty incredible runouts uh, in the World Cup uh, over in New Zealand. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but that literally got like 20 million views. Like I understand that it might say if you go back there now, it says something around like 4 million or 3 million or something. But the real data that I've received from Cricket Australia is that that received – over 20 million actual eyeballs and people looking at you doing what you do on that leg side, ridiculous getting up high and getting to the ball. Um, first of all, congratulations on that. The world is literally, Thank and this, this isn't even an understatement, mate. The world literally just loved it. It's the most viewed video that's happened uh, on the Cricket Australia indoor Facebook page, period. Um, so my question is, how do you do that? Because... 
I've got no idea, and I know there's a lot of our listeners that want to know the way that, like, I get you've always got to be in position and you've got to have everything aligned and, um, you know, you've got to be kind of in that spot before the ball gets to you. But how do you get into the sky and contort your body in such a way and then be able to have the accuracy to throw down the stumps? And how do you train for that and how do you train for it alone if it's possible? Okay, so... um it's really hard to actually do a jump throw. Like, I've tried to put it out there to kids and say, you know how to do a jump throw? They say, I don't know. And I go, try it. And then they do it and they try and twist around. It's actually very, very hard to actually coach someone how to do it. You've just got to get up there and, and show them how you do it. And then hopefully they can see it and then they'll try and replicate it. But it's all about just trying to get your body down and twisting your legs around so you can actually twist your body around. And then you've always got to be watching the stumps. So if you're always looking at where the stumps are, you'll generally be able to counteract your throw. So if you turn your body too far around or not too far around, if you know what I mean, um, if you're watching, you know, the stumps where you want to throw the ball, you'll be able to get it there. It's just, you know, it is really hard to try and do, um, but it's all about just trying to preempt everything. And trying to do a jump throw effectively, you really have to time it at the apex, so you want to be able to get the ball when it's, you know, it's just about ready to come back down, so you're at the point of trying to get the ball, then that way it's the quickest way to get the ball from there back to the receiver. And that's why I asked the question, because it does look ridiculously hard, um, and there seems to be an ability, it's a very, very old cliche, but the best players make things look very easy, no matter what sport it is. Um, and the way there's a couple of players that always amaze me, uh, Benji Flores is another one as well. Um, he's obviously got fantastic height, Benj. Um, and it's, it's interesting as well that you talked about the apex of the ball as well. So can you talk about that a little bit more as well? Is it is it, is it a timing thing in the hand that once you get it at the apex, you, I mean, how can you get it away quicker? Like, Can you just talk about that a bit deeper? So, okay, so you really have to try and time your jump, you know, to, you know, get the ball when it's right there at the top, ready to come back down. And then you've just got to make sure that when you catch the ball, it's a quick catch release. So it's all about trying to control the ball in your hands. And as soon as you control it in the hands, you're looking at the stumps and you're releasing the ball. So providing you've got your platform already set, you know, so that's yourself in position before you get the ball and everything then everything else after that will generally take care of itself. So when you're on the ground and you get a you know easy ground ball off the net, you're in position with your right foot for a right-hand thrower on the ground. So you catch the ball and you pretty much look step throw. You pretty much do the same for a jump throw. So you get the ball up there and then you basically twist your body and look throw. And so that way... Continue. No, 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 no. Continue, please. Yeah. Continue, please. So... So basically, it's the the key to what I'm trying to say here is you've always got to look at where the stumps are because you might be in a position where you're actually out of position. Yep. So if you're looking at the stumps, you'll be able to then know exactly where the stumps are and make those little minor adjustments. So that's the most important thing that you need to do is you always need to look at where the stumps are. So there it is. I know that we've got a lot of junior viewers um, that listen into the podcast uh, and they listen to folks like yourself. And there was a real need last year that we received a lot of feedback that they wanted more on skills and techniques. And I've asked you that question specifically because in my opinion, nobody does it better. And 
according to the opinion on people on planet Earth, nobody does it better as well um, to the viewership that you received. So if you're listening at home, um, whether you are young uh, or young at heart and you're keen on your indoor cricket, um, you've just heard all the the tips there and it, it is outstanding what you do. Does that mean there's no real self-preservation for your body? Like you land like a cat and to be honest, you land like a butterfly with sore feet, mate. You just kind of just kind of parade down onto the turf and away you go again. So are you thinking about your landing at that time as well? Because surely there's too much going on. Just get up there and get it done. If you come down at the wrong (laughs) angle, it's just tough luck. But uh, but I will add though that um, another key fundamental to Building, though, is you always have to try and catch the ball with two hands. Like, you know, I see time and time again that people think that the quickest way of getting the ball is one hand. Well, it might be because your reach is a little bit further than that of two hands. Yeah. But you've only got a 50% chance of getting the ball all the time. So, um, yes, it's good. It, it looks fantastic when it comes off, but how often does it come off? Like? So, you know, I'd rather have someone catch the ball two hands, deliver the ball, 99% of the time than someone that goes out there, tries to do it one hand and does it 50% of the time. So the lesson is two hands for beginners, two hands for veterans. Exactly right. Always two hands unless you cannot physically get two hands for the ball, right? And then you can only go with one hand and that's when you go with one hand. I'll take that under uh, advice. Um, I want to know about your goals. Um a lot of people, when they talk to you, talk about the things that you've achieved and you've achieved so much. And I didn't want to get bogged down in that too much because it's been done before. I want to know what is next for you because you're a very driven person and you're a very focused person. Um, I don't come across, even inside indoor cricket and outside of our community, you've got a real steel focus. And there's only maybe five people in my life that I've ever met that have that kind of discipline. So I want to know what are your goals and what's next for you in indoor cricket? Okay, so basically my eyes on the next World Cup, which is now next year. Yeah. So I've got one eye there, but um, but obviously before all that happens, I've, I've got to get myself ready for nationals and perform well at nationals before I get selected into this Australian side. So, you know, first and foremost is you always try and do the best you can for your home centre, I should start with. You know, so you play well at NICL level, then you play well at, you know, what we have here in, in Queensland, um, zone titles, and then get selected. So you're trying to, trying to tick off all those boxes first before you can get to the Australian level. So hopefully I can tick off all those boxes, but my ultimate goal is next World Cup. Um, and then we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. I'm still enjoying the game so much slower. You know, so yeah. I'm still enjoying the game and my body's in, in peak condition at the moment. Um, you know, I'll keep playing. Like people like Josh Drever and you know Kieran Perkins and you know all, all these other young guys coming up through the ranks. Um, Maddie Flores, you know, they're the ones who keep me in check. They're the ones who push me because I don't want those guys, you know, getting on top of my mantle anytime soon. So you know, if I'm still mixing it with the best and enjoying what I do, which I do, um, I'll keep playing another, you know, two, three, four years. So the next World Cup will be the last time we'll see you in an Australian jersey. Uh, I'll reconsider after the uh, next World Cup. Um, you just never know if I'm enjoying it. Fantastic. Um, if I think it's time to leave, I might do that. If I think my body's not up to it, or if I'm, you know, my performance is dropping, you know, to that low um, uh, Australian level standard, 
then I'll reconsider. Um, but I'll just take it one step at a time. Now I'm closer to the end now than I was at the start. So um, I'll just have to take it um, year by year from, from now. You remind me of, uh, of Cameron Smith, to be honest with you, Fitz. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's like the old fox yeah. and he's still at the top of his game. Like, do you know, I mean, he's going to get selected in any team that ever comes along. People, people look at him, it's like, oh, he's been around for a little while. But the guy is so darn good, you just don't want him to go away. And I, I think that you're the same. And even Cam Smith, you know, he's in peak physical condition. Everything's good about him. The birth certificate that was printed a while ago, we'll turn it into a paper airplane and throw it out the car window because it really means nothing. So yeah. you're really, yeah. you're listening to your body. And um, from what you've told me, you uh, it's just not acceptable for you to not be at the standard of a top flight Australian indoor cricketer and you just won't accept anything less than that. Yeah, exactly right. Like, you know, if, if you're really enjoying a game, you play so much better. Like, I, I used to always dwell on, you know, bad performances, you know, then that led to, you know, not enjoying a game. And, and, and this happened, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. So, you know, I, I had to really change my mental um, side of things and, and, Think about things differently, um, and whatever happens, happens now. You know, so I, I go out there with a good, you know, focus on each game that's in front of me. Um, so I go out there to go into battle and to enjoy that battle. Um, you know, so I, I I do really enjoy going out there, opening the batting for Queensland. I just just love that challenge. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just be doing that as long as I can. Well, mate, from a um from a Queenslander, I'm a Queenslander. I'm not, not afraid to admit it. From from our perspective, mate, um, I don't want you going anywhere. And from an Australian perspective, I certainly don't want you going anywhere. And from a broadcast and commentary perspective, um, when it's the highlight reel, mate, you feature in it more often than not. So I certainly hope you are sticking around for quite some time to come. Um, I won't keep you for too much longer, mate, because I know you've got a lot going on. Um, a couple of things I just want to know. When I'm not commentating, I'm usually having a couple of um, – David Hasselfroffs, a couple of you know, a couple of couple of tins, yeah. enjoying myself uh, on. That the... really, that really surprises me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit. Look, mate. Yeah. I love having a good time. I'm a party boy. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know. What you mean. Yeah, I love, oh, mate. I love getting amongst it, and uh, I love watching indoor cricket. Um, can you ever hear the crowd? Um, like I know indoor cricket centres are usually made out of metal clad tin and it's pretty noisy in there. It's not pretty noisy. It's extraordinarily noisy. But do you ever actually hear what's going on? Like can you hear us? Yeah. yeah. You know, like the, the crowd and the people, it's just so close to the courts. You can hear what's going on, um, but we've just got to focus on what we need to do. So, no, if, um, so, so next year in the World Cup when there's, um, you know, uh, a couple of thousand odd uh, barking, absolute stark raving mad Australians in that court, and they want to throw a little bit of advice to a South African or a New Zealander or something like that. They'll be able to hear us. They'll be able to hear for sure. <laughs> May have just opened up the floodgates there, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and tell me, um, it's oh, it's a non-contact sport, but that's bit baloney with some of the games that I've witnessed. How physical is an open men's game of indoor cricket? It's it's not like it used to be. Um, really? No, you, you can get on it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not like it used to be. Um, probably would have stopped 
Uh, I've been involved now for 18 years. I reckon it probably would have stopped about 15 years ago. I reckon um, the the emphasis now from a tournament director point of view, like with with Shep and and then the umpiring contingent at the moment, is they don't want to see that in the game, so they try and stamp it out. Yeah. Um, But, you know, which is probably a good thing because you don't want to have that involved in the game because it does actually... It doesn't send a really good message to young kids coming up through that you can actually go out there and block and, and hurt people, um, you know, because the whole, you know, thing is, is, is about playing indoor cricket and playing good quality indoor crickets because people want to see, you know, good building. I think that's probably the number one thing with indoor cricket is just how good and how agile we are in the field um, and then um, good batting when there's good bowling or, you know, it's just, just that sort of, you know, battle that, that you have between bat and ball, you know, is, is what people really want to see. But um, back in the 80s and stuff, I've, I've heard Cole Robinson, you know, tell stories that you probably shouldn't tell people, like, <laughs> you know, about what happened when he was playing, yeah. you, you know, and, and then the umpire does nothing about it, you know, because it was never ever stamped out back then. You know, but that's what the game was like back in the 80s and to some extent the early 90s, you know, but now the umpiring is, is really on top. And you would have seen that from uh, in, in the uh, national title grand final with um, Panda umpiring, you know, where Juddy come across in front of Brandon Force and got penalised five, you know, because they're trying to stamp it out. Yeah, um, that is, uh, as you'd know, uh, as a national umpire as well, and it's probably why you've got a deeper insight than most, that yes, the umpire's uh, job there is to make correct decisions, but it is also to separate the two teams. You know, that's where, um, you know, getting the batters in the huddle um, was, you know, that's also well and truly out. You know, sometimes people would crowd around the batter and they're in the washing machine a little bit there and that's kind of gone and doing huddles on the pitch, they've got to get off to the side. And uh, even way back in the day um, when there was no exclusion zones, um, you know, where you could literally field as close as you wanted to. That obviously went in the way of the dodo. So I agree with you as time has progressed, the um, officials' stance has shifted um, and, um, yeah, the safety of the players has become more paramount. But um, from what we can tell from an outsider's perspective, mate, it seems pretty tough out there still, if you may. Yeah, you, you know, every time you play against Victorians, you always know something's going to happen. <laughs> no, no, it's just, just it's, it's just the Ross Gregory mentality, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Ross is always and, and, and he's always trying to make sure he can always, you know, push the boundaries down by. So, you know, and, and that's what you've got to do as, as coaches and as players. So you, you also have to try and find out where the line is in the stand from a um, umpire's point of view. Um, and then if you can go that far, you'll keep doing it until another umpire comes along and then you just can't do it. So, um, you know, that's just part of playing sport. You know, you're always trying to push the boundaries. Yeah. You know, if you can push the boundaries and it works, you just keep doing it. Well, I've umpired you on uh, quite a number of occasions uh, at national and, in- and international level, and I can assure you, you do the exact same, uh, Fitzy, so don't oh, try you're and, uh, push the boundaries. <laughs> don't you for a second think that you're uh, different to those guys. I'll tell you right now, you're the exact same. But, mate, look, um, I don't want to keep you um, because I want to get you back on uh, the podcast, mate, and I've been absolutely frothing at the bit to have you on, uh, and I'm so glad um, that the Yellow Bull podcast and say that you've been one of our guests 
podcasts. Um, mate, I, I don't want to give you too much of a big head, so I'll keep it pretty simple. But quite frankly, uh, you're one of the greatest players to have ever played indoor cricket. Um, I think it would be an absolute travesty one day um, if I'm not standing up and applauding you uh, at a presentation dinner where you uh, are inducted into the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I hope it's not for a long, long time to come because um, I want to see you keep playing for Australia and for Queensland uh, for many, many years to come. So, um, Fitz, thanks very much for coming on the Yellow Ball podcast, mate. And please um, don't be a stranger, okay? No worries. Thanks for having me, Lolly. Sportscast Australia are an agile sports broadcaster delivering TV quality live streams for national, state and grassroots sports, including the NICL and Indoor Cricket National Championship events across Australia. And you can find not only the greatest content here on the Yellow Ball podcast, but don't forget we're also a part of the Indoor Cricket's Greatest Games Initiative uh, flows into the Yellow Ball Podcast YouTube channel that has newly been constructed. So we're breaking down the greatest games of indoor cricket. Last time it was the 2009 Men's Indoor Cricket World Cup. And there's another edition that is uh, coming along. By the time that this podcast goes out, it either would have launched or it's about to. But I can tell you right now, you can find Indoor Cricket's Greatest Games, all that content on the Yellow Ball Podcast's YouTube channel. Go along. We break down the game in all its little tidbits. We've got footage of the actual match and we've got the players that participated in it giving their expert opinions and insights about what actually happened. This kind of content literally has never, ever been disseminated within our community before. It is one of a kind. It is revolutionary. And if you don't get on board, we'll send the men in the white coats and the butterfly nets to come and collect you. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia, this is the Yellow Ball Podcast. Well, a very big thank you to Fitzy. It's a bit odd calling him Rob Fitzgerald because um, Rob Fitzgerald sounds like a solicitor who'd come in like a... Um, Jaz, who's the who's the solicitor um, from Suits? Harvey Specter, is that it? Harvey Specter, was that yeah, him? Harvey Specter. Harvey Specter. Yeah. yeah, Harvey Specter. Um, you know, he's a bit of a Harvey Specter kind of character when you call him Rob Fitzgerald. He's not like that. He's just fits. He's fits or fitsy to all of us. And um, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate his time coming on the Yellow Ball podcast and how good was some of the insights, um, particularly with um, you know that that jump throw that he discussed. And what I really got out of it was. Even when you're at the highest level of this game, you still use your two hands to get to the ball. You're still looking at the stumps. These are all fundamentals. It was really interesting, though, that he kind of contorts his body and uses his legs to swivel and pivot around. Um, I mean, that is just lightning in a bottle, and I really hope you enjoyed that insight. I mean, that was, uh, among everything he said, that one particular piece, I was just like, wow, that's something brand new that I'd never heard of before. So it's, um, yeah, brilliant to get that insight. So Fitzy. Thank you very much. Uh, To all of you, all our uh, listeners of the Yellow Ball Podcast, thank you so much again for your ongoing commitment and support. The numbers for episode one were out of this world. We're blown away um, by the support that we received. So thank you so much. It is um, incredibly appreciated. And the thing is, we're all in it together. We're all in it to make sure that indoor cricket gets as much exposure as it can and that everyone understands that this format of the game is electrifying, exciting, thrilling and exhilarating. Well, from all of us here at Yellow Ball Podcast Headquarters, it's bye for now until we see you next time on the Yellow Ball Podcast. You've been listening to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Get in touch with us anytime, yellowballpodcast at gmail.com.